Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Do grab your seats. Good morning, everyone. My name's Kate. If you haven't met me, I'm one of the assistant pastors here. I've got two kids and a husband, but they are away this weekend, so I am free to tell as many stories as I want about all my family. But I'm actually going to tell you a short story, but not very much, about my two cats. Who knows, uh, who follows my Instagram, we have two six-month-old kittens in the house at the moment, thanks to my children, and they are driving me crazy. Who has cats? Okay, so my cats are called, well, we have an old cat, but our two little cats are called Oliver and Yoda. That's what happens if you get a seven-year-old boy to name a cat. And Yoda does actually fly through the air. They also eat everything. And I mean everything. They actually ate a four-pack of bagels this week. And I'm not even joking. Anyway, perhaps that yesterday I spent almost the entire day trying to teach them how to use the cat flap. That was a productive day. They still can't do it. Anyway, perhaps that's why I found a little more enjoyment than I normally would have from this video. Gary, can we roll the, the, the funny cat video? Yeah, enjoy this. of that video but you know yeah that would just just come around my house and you'll see if you want to leap from the old to the new you have to really leap like you mean it otherwise you'll end up like one of those cats there I want to talk to you this morning this is the fourth uh, and final one in our series looking at the cross of Christ as we run up to Easter next Sunday of course is our amazing celebration of Easter Sunday and we'll be baptizing 10 people right here in this space it's going to be awesome but this week I want to talk to you therefore we've looked at why did Jesus have to die what was the cross about we've looked at how did him doing that reconcile us to God, heal that relationship? We've looked at how did it defeat darkness and evil? And this morning, I want to ask the question, therefore, what does this mean for us, for you, for me, for all of us? Thousands of years later, we are meeting in this place today because of what Jesus did when he died on the cross. So why are we doing that? Why will we get together next Sunday and celebrate that moment why is it the highlight of our year? And I want to think about the response that the cross requires of us as, as normal human beings going about our everyday ordinary lives. What does that mean to us? And I want to talk about three things that the Bible clearly says, three impacts that the cross should have on our lives. 
And you know, the Bible, the New Testament is full of examples, stories of people, normal people like you and me, whose lives were transformed by coming into contact with Jesus and by realizing who he was and what he came to earth to do, what the story of the cross was all about. His disciples and other people who came to hear about it long after he died and gone to heaven, been resurrected and gone to heaven. There are examples throughout the Bible of that. Here's a section from the Gospels. This is from Matthew's Gospel, if you're following along uh, with any of the texts that I use today. You can pull them up on your phone or on your Bible, but they will also all be on the screen. So this is Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. And this is a moment where Jesus is talking to his friends, the disciples. And he's saying to them, who do people say that I am? What are people saying about me? And they discuss a few theories. Some people say these John the Baptist there's other people saying maybe he's Elijah. And then he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? These are the people who've traveled the most closely with Jesus. They're his closest friends. He's been teaching them, training them, speaking to them. And what happens is that one of them, Simon, he steps forward and makes this bold statement about who he believes Jesus is. And it's a, it's a really significant moment because he steps forward and says, you are the Messiah. Now that was an ancient word, which literally means the liberator. And the Jewish people believed they were waiting for someone who was going to come and liberate them, free them from captivity. Particularly, they thought at the time from the Romans who were ruling over them. They were waiting for someone to come and do that. And, and Simon makes this this brave statement saying, you are the Messiah. And it's a big moment. And he gets a a pretty good response. I imagine he felt pretty good about it. Jesus says, you're blessed, Simon, because this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then what he does several times in the Bible, a really significant moment is, is indicated by a changing of someone's name. He says, you are Peter. And the word, the Greek word for Peter sounds like rock. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church. And Peter's like, yeah, that was a good moment. But what's amazing about this story, if you look in Matthew 16, is it's followed straight away by Peter having a less good moment. He literally goes from hero to zero in in like a few verses because what happens is that Jesus then begins to explain, therefore. So Peter's got something really significant right, but there's so much they haven't understood because they're still thinking that he's come to to liberate, to free in some kind of military way. But actually, God's got a much bigger, much more significant plan that will influence not just them, but the entire human race. So Jesus starts to teach them about how he's got to go to Jerusalem, that he's going to suffer, that he will have to be killed and then be raised to life. And Peter is, is not happy with this. His, he's like, no way, that cannot be right. This is never going to happen to you. And again, with, he just speaks this out. And Jesus turns and says to the same person who he's just said he's going to build his church on, he says, you are a stumbling block to me. He says, get behind me, Satan. Ouch. He says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So what in that moment has Peter done wrong? He's gone from realizing something really significant to then something that's really importantly wrong. What is it that he's done? Look at what it says in that last verse. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but only human concerns. 
And this is the first impact that the cross should have. So he's realised something about who Jesus is, but there's something that hasn't yet happened and it really matters. And that's that his perspective hasn't changed. And Jesus is saying the cross must change our perspective because it's about realising something new, something really significant. And Peter hasn't done that. He's not made the journey in his mind. Understanding the message of the cross should open our eyes to a new dimension of what life is about, of God's purpose and plan. It should be a radical change that should influence our whole lives. Signified, of course, by Peter's name being changed. This is like a new life now because you realise something so significant. And there's another amazing example throughout the New Testament of another guy whose life is totally transformed by understanding the message of the cross. It's a guy who, when we first meet him, is called Saul. We meet him in his 20s. He's a Jew. He's a Roman. He's quite an important person. And what he's involved in doing at first in Acts when we meet him is he's persecuting the church. He's going around killing people who believe this story about Jesus, people who are telling people about Jesus and who he was and what he did. Saul wants to kill them. He wants to get rid of them, to beat out this message. And what happens to Saul is that he's on the road to a place called Damascus, literally because he's got the paperwork to authorise him to go and find some more of these naughty Christian people and get rid of them. And something happens. Literally, he sees the light. We talk about seeing the light when you realise something. Because of what happened to Saul, he's on the road and the Acts... um, the Acts story tells us that suddenly a light from heaven literally says it just flashed all around him. I don't know if that's a literal light or if it's just that that's what it felt like to him. But the light flashes all around him. He falls to the ground and he hears a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And it's Jesus speaking to him. The Jesus who the people who he's trying to kill are telling everyone about, speaking to him in person. It's what my daughter would call hashtag awkward. (laughs) And what happens from here is that Paul is literally blinded by his realisation that he has got this badly wrong, that this Jesus who he's trying to stop people talking about actually was for real that this story really matters. It's only after meeting the rest of the disciples that his eyes are opened and he can physically see again. And when when he does, his life has totally changed because his perspective has changed. He sees everything differently because he saw the light of who Jesus was and what he was about. Maybe that's why he uses the metaphor of light to talk about the change that it should have in our lives. You know, his name is changed to Paul. And Paul, as Matt already mentioned, is the guy who wrote many of the letters that are in the New Testament. He, he goes from persecuting Christians to being one of the main people who encourages them, supports them, teaches them. It totally transforms his life. In Ephesians, one of the letters he writes to a bunch of people in a place called Ephesus He says this about the change in perspective that the cross should bring. He says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Realising the truth of what the cross is about is such a big change. It's like turning the light on. 
You see things that you couldn't see before. You're no longer blundering around in the dark. You can see everything should change. And it's not just a change for you. That word light has a specific meaning that is about that being a source of light out to the rest of the world. You radiate something out to other people. Because of what you've realized, you become a source of light and inspiration and change to other people too. Once you've seen the light, you cannot act as though you're still in the dark because you've seen it should completely transform your life. So what does that actually mean? And the other two things I want to talk about are about how that plays out in our life. What does it mean that our life has been transformed? Does it mean we just stroll around saying, oh yeah, my life's been transformed? I think it's about more than that. I think it is about a real change. If we go back to that passage where Jesus is talking to the disciples about who he is, so Peter's just done really well and then done not so well. Jesus then makes this very famous statement, which you may well hear around the Easter period. It's a, it's a very famous quote that you may hear. He says to the disciples this. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So this is a really famous saying of Jesus. But I don't know if, if you're like me, but you look at that. And when I sat down earlier this week and thought, yeah, okay. You think, what does that actually mean? Deny yourself. What am I supposed to say I'm not here? Take up your cross. What does it mean? And there's three things that it talks about then. Deny yourself. First of all, literally means to disown yourself. It's about that change of perspective. It's saying your attention, your focus, what you believe is really important is taken from yourself to somewhere else. You've changed the way you look at the world and what your priorities are. You've stepped away from seeing yourself as the most important thing and moved on to something else. Take up your cross. We have to remember that the disciples in that moment, they still hadn't got it. They didn't know that Jesus was going to die on the cross. So they wouldn't have made a link specifically to Jesus here. But they did know what the cross was. We know that the Romans in that time had killed and crucified many people. The disciples would have known what a cross was. They would have known that one of the things the Romans did was make the the condemned people carry their own cross to the site where they were going to be killed. They knew that when you take up your cross, you are saying goodbye to your life. You are about to leave your life behind. And follow me. So when Jesus says, follow me, in this passage, the disciples know that what he's talking about is something much more challenging to us because it is about loss. It is about losing something. It is about stepping away from your old life. Whoever wants to gain his life for me will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will gain it. We cannot avoid the mention of loss, but we try to because we don't want to lose it. I don't know about you, but for a very long time, I wanted to have the best of both worlds. I became a Christian when I was 14. It was in my mid-20s before I realized that I couldn't do both these things. I couldn't keep one foot in both worlds and somehow try to have my cake and eat it. I wanted to be a Christian and really do this God thing, but I definitely didn't want to stop 
doing some of the other things that my life felt it was all about, that all of my friends were doing, that felt important and significant to me. But the Bible does talk about stepping away from something, losing it. If you want to leap from the old to the new, you have to leap like you mean it. You can't try and stay in both. You'll just fall down the middle. You'll get nowhere. So we have to recognize. Many of you are hoping that I will tell you that the original Greek word translated here as lose doesn't actually mean lose. It does. In fact, it's even worse than that. It's a really strong word. Literally, it means destroy completely. So there is no going back. It is about totally leaving something behind because you know you will not need to go back to that stuff. There is something much bigger, much better, much more worth living for that you've come to realize, and that's what you're going for. This is what Jesus says in Mark 10. It's another one of the Gospels, Mark's Gospel. He says, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. That word slave is this lovely word that comes up again and again in the New Testament, doulos. It's this word that means a slave, a servant, but it's someone who has made the choice voluntarily to give up ownership of their life to serve someone else. So it's not someone forced into slavery. It's someone who has made that decision to do it because there is a bigger purpose. There is something else that they want to serve. It's used in the New Testament again and again and again to describe followers of Jesus. And this is one of the most early uses of it, saying if you want to be first, if you want to hit the the really important things on life, you must give up ownership of your life and step away from something. The word here talking about serve has a specific meaning to serve a king. And the amazing thing here is Jesus uses his own self as an example when it says at the end, for even the son of man didn't come to be served. The son of man is a phrase that Jesus uses to talk about himself. So he's saying even Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, that's amazing because Jesus was a king. Jesus is a king. If ever there was someone who could have expected to be served, it was Jesus. But he sets the example for every single one of us by giving up that right. He came to serve, to give up his life to others. You know, the message of the Bible again and again and again consistently turns our, our cultural message on its head. It's upside down. Jesus wins the most amazing victory in the entire history of the human race by dying. He says that to gain, you have to lose. To win, you have to become the servant of all. He challenges us because he challenges what it means to us to be great. Where is your focus? Where is your perspective? What is it that really matters To truly embrace the message of the cross, you have to be willing to leave something behind. Look at how Paul talks about it. Remember, Paul, this guy whose life is transformed. This is another letter he writes to the Philippians. And he says this, he says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. His perspective has totally changed. He's realized things that he thought were important. They're just not anymore for the sake of Christ. What is more, he says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And he says, I consider them garbage. He uses a really powerful word there, literally just means things you throw out to the dogs. 
That's how unimportant the things of his old life are feeling now. So he's willing to step away from them because he's seen something so much better and he wants to jump for it with everything that he's got. In fact, his passion, his enthusiasm takes him somewhere a bit unexpected. Look at the next verse of what he says. He says, I want to know Christ. And, and that word know is one of my favorite words in it that I'm going to tell you about in this whole little talk. Because it's about, the Bible talks about different types of knowledge. We, we would talk about like rational knowledge, stuff that we know by academic study, like cognitive knowledge in our head. And we might talk about heart knowledge, that kind of gut instinct, I just know something. And this word is, a, is, is an amazing word because it talks about a type of knowledge that comes not from academic study, but through personal experience, first-hand encounter. So it's not because you've sat down and studied something and got this kind of cold, hard knowledge of it. You know it because you've experienced it yourself. You have a relationship. And that's what Paul says. He wants to know Christ. He wants to have a relationship with him. He wants to know the power of the resurrection, the same power that could raise a man from the dead. Paul wants to know it. He wants to have a personal experience of that same power. How many of us would like to have a personal experience of that same power? How many of us would like to see that same power transform our lives or the lives of the people we're praying about, the lives of the people we desperately want to see healed, the lives of people where we know there must be transformation because in human terms there's no help, hope. Paul wants to know in a personal way that power. And he goes on to say that that involves participation in his sufferings, even becoming like him in his death. That's the truth. We can't keep one foot in both worlds. If you want to truly know Jesus and have a personal experience of his power, of the power that raised him from the cross, you have to be willing to give things up. You have to be willing to step back. Some of us today, God wants to say, your problem is that you're clinging on to the old and I desperately want to move you into the new, but you won't let go let go of the old. There is so much better over here. Let go and make the leap. It is so worth it. And you know what? God will never let you fall. But we have to be willing to step away from things. Because number three that the Bible talks about is the most amazing part of the message. It's what we get to gain, what we can jump into. And it is real life. Jesus called it more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Let's look at another very famous saying of Jesus. This is John 8, 32, if you're keeping track. Many of you will have heard this. Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is what this message is about. We leave something old behind, but we gain something else, something amazing. You know that um, we talk about Jesus Christ. That word Christ is a translation of the old Hebrew word Messiah into Greek. So it means the same thing as Messiah. It means liberator. We mustn't forget in the story of the cross the resurrection, Jesus rose again. He defeated death. And that means that he offers us 
something amazing. He says, you can be free. And you can take this freedom not just for yourself, you can offer it to other people because you can tell them this amazing story. If you're willing to leave behind the old and make a leap for the new, you can be free. This is the message of the cross. Remember what Paul said again in that verse from Philippians, that little section. He doesn't care anymore about what he's left behind. It feels almost just irrelevant to him because of what he's gained. He says, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, for whose sake he's lost all things. He talks about not having a righteousness that comes from the law, this, what this means is, is being seen as worthy by, because you've earned it. He's realised that he doesn't have to earn his value now. He, he can have that value. He can be acceptable to God just through faith, just through believing, just through realising what it is that Jesus has done. The cross has transformed that. How many of us have ever felt that we can never really be good enough But the cross means you don't have to be because Jesus has dealt with that. And you can experience freedom and life and all of these things because of what Jesus did and how he rose again and how he defeated evil and sin and all of our shortcomings they've been dealt with. So how do we do that then just through faith? What's that about? Let's go back to that famous saying of Jesus, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Because that's that word, know again. Remember that amazing word that means knowing something, not just through studying it, but through personal first-hand experience, through having a relationship yourself with something. It, it has a meaning of intimacy. There's, this is a relationship that's really close and powerful. And it's that that Jesus says will set us free. What we are invited to is something more amazing than just a a, a sort of academic knowledge of what Jesus did. It is to be called into a personal relationship with the God who raised Jesus from the dead, the God who created the world. He cares enough about each and every one of us that he wants to have personal relationship with us. And through that experience, getting to know God firsthand, that's what sets us free. That's how we experience freedom. The message translation says, then you will experience for yourself the truth and the truth will free you. We step out of the old and we make a leap for something. And in that relationship, we gain and experience ourselves, which changes everything, which transforms our life. We have to get hold of the whole message about the cross. Not just the bit about how Jesus is crucified, but the bit about the life that that means that we are offered. This message isn't just about what happens after we die, people. It's about what happens here on this earth right now. It's about how we do life now. God longs to offer us something so much more, something so much better. The gospel isn't just about appeasing an angry God It's about a God who longs to give light and life and love and freedom to the people that he created. It's about the fact that that love and life is stronger than death and darkness and despair and has defeated it. 
So we don't have to be held down by those things. If we don't get that, then not only do we risk missing the freedom for us, but the risk is that we take a message out to other people that is all about appeasing an angry God and we forget to tell them about the light and the life and the freedom and all the good stuff that God longs to bring. So we must understand, we must get both bits of this message, letting go of one thing and leaping into something new. Let's look at how Paul puts it at the end of that passage from Philippians because he just does it so well. He says, not that I've already obtained this, he hasn't got it all figured out or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Change your perspective. If you have understood this morning the message of the cross and what it's about, it should transform your perspective It is about forgetting what is behind. Let it go. As we come to gain more and more personal experience and relationship with Jesus, we step further and further from the things that are of our old life. The Bible says we become new, a totally new version of ourselves. Let go of the old people. Make the leap. It's so worth it. I have never regretted giving up my old life when I eventually realized that I was losing out by trying to have it all and made the leap. I have never once regretted it. Let go, forget what's behind and press on to what is ahead. I love again some of the words that Paul uses here. When he says press on to take hold, those two words press on and take hold, they're powerful, powerful words. Press on, the original Greek word he uses is one that came from a hunting context. It also means to persecute. It is literally hunt it down, chase it, don't let it get away, give it everything you've got. And and when he says take hold, it's like literally seize it. The same word is used for arrest. So who's watching Line of Duty at the moment, right? Okay, so think Line of Duty, chase them down and then leap. That's what he's talking about. This is not a gentle like, oh yes, just follow it. It's like, you've realized this is true. Hunt it down and grab it. Why would you not do that? Because it's such an amazing opportunity. That's what Paul is saying. But poignantly, that same word to grab it, to seize it with both hands is used in another very famous verse, which you probably hear every Christmas, actually. It's this one that's on the screen. It's from John's Gospel, right at the beginning, John 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That word overcome is the same word. So it can be translated as as overcome, but it also means the darkness hasn't seized it, it hasn't grabbed it. It's the same word. The message of Jesus, the message of the cross is to offer us something amazing a new life. The light has shone in the darkness. But the tragic truth is so many people fail to do what you should, which is grab it with both hands. Don't let this go. Friends, don't make the same mistake today. Don't miss the opportunity of what the cross offers you. Real life, 
more and better life, future, freedom, hope, purpose, all the things our society is so desperately looking for. Don't miss it. Grab it with both hands. Hunt it down. Why don't we stand and let's take a moment to pray. And we're just going to have a moment with God. We've got time. So don't rush in your minds. If your mind's already moving on to, oh yeah, what am I going to have for lunch? No, put that out of your head. This is way, way more important. Because we're just going to take some time to think about what this means for each and every one of us. And you know, some of us here today may be hearing this message for the first time. Maybe this is your first week with us. And you're thinking, yeah, I would like some of this new life, this freedom, this future. And it's the first time you've heard the message of the cross. So if that is you this morning, I would love to chat to you more about that and pray with you at the end. So if I just, if that's you right now, I'm going to ask you to just wave your hand at me so that I can see you, so I know that it's you. I'm going to pray in a minute and we can grab some more time at the end of the service. So if this is totally new for you, Every week in this church, we make opportunities for people to make the decision to leave behind their old life and to follow Jesus because it is the best decision you will ever make. So if that's you this morning, just wave. Just let me catch your hand so that I can pray with you specifically. Okay. So for the rest of us, what I want to ask you is what's your response to this going to be? Are you willing to say yes to grab this opportunity with both hands. And I'm going to ask you in a second to raise your hand. You know, this message more than any, it demands a response. The message of the cross, what Jesus has done, it offers us something amazing and it demands a response from us to say, yes, Lord, I am willing to leave behind my old life. I want to step into something new. I want to grab it with both hands. So if that's you... Why don't you raise your hand right now to say, yes, Jesus, I want to do this. I want to grab your new life. I am willing to make the leap like I mean it. I don't want to try and do both things anymore and live my life. Having the best of both worlds, I'm willing to leave behind the old and grab the new. Raise your hand if that's you, and I'm going to pray for us. Father God, we thank you for this message. We thank you for the cross. Our words just feel like they could never do justice what you've done for us. We're so grateful, Lord God, for the new life that you offer us, for your light that shone in the darkness. And we say to you right now, yes, Lord, we are willing. We're willing to leave things behind. We're willing to make the leap into something new, to take risks for you. Father God, we say yes to the message. We grab this with both hands. Lord God, thank you for calling me, for offering me this opportunity. In Jesus' name.